0: Harry and Dave shared credit on the white bus But as things advanced, their relationship was on the rocks Maybe less people know his name But he revolutionized war games With the first fantasy campaign Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. (laughs) (laughs) What is up, everybody? It's Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast and blog. And how about that intro from T.J. Drennan, legendary anchorite of the malodorous miasma meltdown and occult orifice outrage podcasts. Sick talent, great ear for Melody, and if you've ever listened to TJ's podcast, also a a penchant for working in all kinds of different styles of music. Uh, So you will probably hear that Arneson song on a number of different legendary, world-renowned Anchorite podcasts throughout the month of October. Because it is Anchorite's Appreciate Arneson Month for October. Arneson's birthday was October 1st. And you know what? Why do it? Because there's a chance that you're listening to this right now and you're like, what the hell is an Arneson? I'm talking about Dave Arneson, the co-creators of Dungeons & Dragons, who, whose name has you know, kind of been lost in the shuffle, lost in the sands of time. Uh, does not get uh, as much love and doesn't have the notoriety of, of Gygax. And, um, you know there's been a lot of recent talk and posts and this and that, and the other kind of vilifying guy gags, which I don't agree with entirely because they were both you know it took two to tango you needed them both for any of this awesome stuff this uh this r p g hobby we know and love to to really happen uh but at the same time, you know Arneson hadn't got enough credit he didn't get uh you know he kind of got pushed out and didn't get much credit back in the day and even still though um I don't put it all on you know Gygax or anybody else you know you see now you know he doesn't get a it's not like Wizards is giving Arneson a lot of love either you know what I mean now part of this is because you know Arneson was an ideas guy and didn't leave a long legacy of a bunch of other role playing game designs and everything. And, and it's almost like that makes sense because so much of what Arneson did was not put down, you know, really on paper, wasn't codified. It was rulings, not rules, playing by feel in his own system and his own mind. Um, but, you know, and that's really part of the OSR spirit, really, lots of game spirit. That free form, uh, rulings, not rules, spirit. Now, a lot of anchorites um, are doing these kind of set topics to brainstorm off of, and I couldn't really think anything good with them. So, what I wanted to do today was talk about one of Arneson's later projects, Adventures in Fantasy with Richard Snyder. And this was originally put out in 1979. And then I think there was like a later reprint in like 81. And uh, so, yeah, so this is one that, you know, sometimes you'll get lucky and find cheap. Sometimes you'll have to take out a second mortgage for it. Don't take out the second mortgage. (laughs) I really consider this game basically unplayable um, in the same way that I consider powers and perils unplayable. And it's perhaps no surprise that Blackmore veteran Richard Snyder worked on both of these these games. And it's no offense. Now, look, I'm just froth. I've had somebody tell me before that they played Powers and Perils and stuff and loved it or whatever. You know, if you can read the instructions to that game, you deserve a medal, in my opinion. And there is a lot of that in this Adventures in Fantasy. So... My my point in saying all this is not to dog on the rules. Um, I'm not going to get too much into really the rules at all. But there is a lot of cool I- other ideas and thoughts and spells and stuff like that that I thought were cool. And I'm figuring that most people out there have probably never seen a copy of Adventures in Fantasy and might want to hear about some of the tidbits that that are in here, but... As far as the rules, you know, Arneson famously said, really Gygax, the same thing, that, uh, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, they never played by it. You know, those rules, that wasn't really their game. Um, was inspired by it and, you know, had some input or whatever, but it's not like Arneson ever ran Dungeons & Dragons as printed by the book, um, you know, and... I have a real hard time believing Arneson ever played adventures in fantasy <laughs> by the book. So you have all kinds of, uh, rules in here that board are borderline algebra. Uh, for example, under charisma, when a character interacts with other NPCs, they might want to try to influence them. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So first they roll, you know, it's kind of a percentage dice system sort of right. And, uh, so the player rolls percentage dice to try to match or get lower than their charisma number to try to influence another character. Okay, so far so good, I'm with you. Then, if they succeed on that roll, they add the that roll to their charisma modifier and subtract the charisma number of the character that's being influenced. Okay, like what? All right. If that's greater than zero, then you roll the, the D100 again And any score that matches or is less than this positive number means they've successfully influenced. Okay. Optionally, add the social status. So, okay. All right. And then to determine hit point, take strength divided by two plus stamina divided by three plus dexterity divided by four divided by five to get your hit points. And then all everything else, I mean, it's just on and on. So you start reading this and you look at the tables and and you quickly realize you're going to be looking for this for at inspiration, you know, for inspiration as opposed to playing exactly by the rules. In the spirit of Arneson, you're going to ignore most of these rules. <clears throat> uh, you know, but I'm, I'm going to get to the cool stuff, but I'm just trying to put it into perspective for you guys so you can... You know, imagine, it's it's endless stuff like that. So, I mean, education, for example, there's some cool ideas about kind of how you can learn over time. Like studying horsemanship and physical training, learning new languages, uh, learning to read and write, using to learn new weapons and skills, which is all cool. But then the basic learning formula... Is time in months divided by actual months spent studying the t- subject times the course difficulty minus the player's intelligence <laughs> to get the BLF, the basic learning formula. And you know what this reminds me of? It starts reminding me of Gygax's, uh, one of Gygax's games after D&D, after Gygax, you know, was, was pushed out of TSR and started working on Mythos, you know, the Dangerous Journeys was the only one that really saw release you know um and dangerous journeys is filled with cool ideas but it's basically ends up the same thing kind of unplayable and all these weird acronyms and everything else i know at this point it probably doesn't sound like it's harness and appreciation month it sounds like froth is dogging on this whole game it's not my intention i'm just trying to if you're wondering why you don't see a lot of people like hey let's break out the adventures in fantasy it's kind of why um, the, the rules are kind of a, a mess. In fact, they just seem to, if you've ever looked at like power, powers and perils, it's just kind of needlessly complicated. That said, lots of cool stuff. So we're going to get to some of the cool stuff. I wanted to read y'all some of the, see, some of the spells that are in here. Cause you know, some spells you might imagine, <clears throat> um, are kind of similar to D and D and everything, but then there's some that are. You know, kind of wholly original, or, or at least phrased in interesting ways. Like agriculture. This spell will increase the yield of one acre of land by 25%. Uh, and so there's like a spell point system, and the spells like have an alignment system. So that's a neutral spell costing two points. Here's one that's a chaotic spell costing nine points. Annihilation. Anyone affected by this spell becomes a mindless vegetable. So they'll die within 24 hours unless they're taken care of. Um, Just a straight-up kill spell. Mindless vegetable. Uh, Forever. Uh, Let's see. Let's look for some other ones in here. Commotion. Commotion. The spell produces a 40 cubic foot area of disorienting noise. Conceal treasure. Control horses. That's an odd one, huh? Not control animals, just horses. With the spell, the magician can order any horse to perform a single action. Corruption. Any creature affected will die of slow rot unless the effect is cured or dispelled. Um, cure stupidity. The magician may never use the spell on himself, <laughs> but, uh, it, in- it increases the intelligence of the target. Basically curse crops, delusive appearance. That's you know, that that's kind of just changing the name of some D and D style. Let's see some other ones. Find gold. The spell gives the magician the ability to locate the largest source of gold within two miles. <laughs> Uh, some good stuff Anyway, I can see Porting some of these And gambling Use of this spell Does not influence The luck of the magician But yields a 60% chance That the person affected Can tell who is going to win And thus cut his losses If it is not him um, I don't even know If this is inter- interesting to y'all It's interesting to me Hopefully it's interesting to y'all Insolence The victim of the spell will be insolent in an extreme manner to anything or anybody that he meets. Uh, (laughs) Insolence. (laughs) Alright, Iron Mist. This spell affects only those creatures that are affected by iron. It establishes a mist of mystic iron in a circular area. If the victims fail the saving throws, they are petrified. Mind control. Mad fury. Mad fury. Once affected, they'll fight anything they can see. Um. Persecution. The victim of this spell will feel persecuted every waking minute by invisible demons. (laughs) Damn. Gotta hate somebody to cast persecution on them. Uh... Rain, you know, just cause rain. Um, uh, yeah. Take a quick break and I'll come back with some monster stuff. And now a word from our sponsors. Alright, so before I move on to the, some of the monster stuff, uh there's some other cool spell stuff I did want to mention too. They've got this one system of, of fairy magic and uh basically you can use these songs or runes, and there's only certain races that can do it. Elves, dwarves troll lords and fairies and so these are kind of like different sorts of spells like the song of the shield song of the sword song of the horse song of the arrow like the song of the arrow this song will increase the chance of a fairy made arrow to hit a target by 15 percent there's all kinds of additional percentages if you haven't noticed there's there seems like everything has got a percentage exception to it or something but these are kind of weird like only certain races can use it like only dwarves can use the song of the air, and the song of the air allows the caster to speak with any predatory bird while the song is in effect. Um, but anyway, and then there's some rune rune stuff: runes of the fairy, rune of passage, rune of paralysis, rune of glamour, rune of the astral lord, uh, rune of astral Night. This rune creates a 10-square-foot area of astral substance. Any creature except those native to the astral plane exposed to this sphere must make a saving throw. If they fail to make the throw, they are dead. (laughs) Even if they make the throw, there's a 20% chance... There's another percentage. There's a 20% chance of their going insane. The rune of astral night. Uh, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. The rune of might doubles the strength. The rune of evermore. Any who fail to make their saving throw against this rune are dead. Uh, but if you make the save... Uh, if they make the saving throw, the rune has no effect. It affects a circle around the Magician with a 50-foot radius. Everything within the circle except the ground and air must make a saving throw. This includes the Magician himself. The Magician has a 10% chance of making the the throw against his own rune. Now why would you ever cast that? The Magician just killed himself, everybody. <laughs> hey, we're going to need a medic. Anyway. So there's... There's... Um, there's lots of good flavor in here as far as monsters and stuff goes like uh, trolls under trolldom. The troll race is as mighty as any race of fairy. They are the hereditary and habitual enemy of the elf. And it's got troll lords, trolls, the optional troll king, the masters of trolldom. They have, uh, capable of casting magic and, Blah blah blah. And then it's got uh different kinds of encounters that you might do, so it's kind of kinda like built-in um random encounters kind of under the monsters. Uh troll treasure, it's got the treasure tables for different creatures, you know, alongside them. But I like that, that's pretty cool. So you got your goblins, got your fairies, elementals. The elementals of fire, the salamander, the magma lizard, uh, the sliff, the thunderbird, the elementals of water, the kin mermaid, and the undines, the elementals of earth, and that includes the gnomes, uh, the sons of Gaia. Let's see. So move on to some more creatures here the creatures and treasure book bunch of dragons uh, that's not anything out of the ordinary but it's got a lot, it's got a whole bunch of stuff on dragons, like their their egotism index all dragons are egotistic to a greater or lesser degree. The Egotism Index determines to what degree the particular dragon's egotism colors his judgment and influences his relation with other creatures. So that's kind of almost like a reaction table for him. Then the Greed Index. Greed is also a trait common to all dragons. So the D100 table. I should have got my dice out for this, but... They you know, if they're traveling with the party for whatever reason, how much treasure they'll share. And it's got a role on their personality traits, open, brave, kind, killer, gluttonous, dull, witty, alignment, bunch of stuff, dragon breath, the interests of a dragon, like, hey, this dragon's interested in crafts. A dragon with this interest likes items of artistic value. Or a dragon might be interested in history. Or a dragon with an interest in love. The dragon with this interest is propagating the species. Page after page of dragons. Then a bunch of the dragon's treasure and everything else. We got bugbears. We got ogres. We got trowel. Trowel are giant cousins and cousins, and sometimes allies, allies of the troll race. The Trow is a cruel and stupid eater of men. <laughs> the Trow is a cruel and stupid eater of men. I like that. Black Elves, the Anakim. The Anakim are long-lived sons of a demonic power. They are also the children of mortal women. The typical Anakim has human intelligence and is slightly larger than the Trow. The Anakim dwell in magically protected castles, and if their intelligence is sufficient, they are capable of using chaos magic. The Anakim, half demons, half devils. Uh, astral corpse. The astral corpse is an ethereal remnant of a person that used to exist in the material plane. It is only encountered through the appropriate spell of fairy magic. The goal of any astral corpse encountered is to take possession of a living human and thus live again on the material plane. Let's we'll see. Will-o'-Wisps. The Djinn. Ifrit. The Ghoul. G-H-U-L. The Ghoul are hideous desert-dwelling monsters. They exist by consuming the bodies of the dead. They revel in misleading humans to their destruction. They just revel in it. Rakshasa, Naga, Tigbanwa. The Tigbanwa is one of the Buso class of demon, fielded by the ba- Bagabo people of the Philippines. The Tigbanwa have long bodies, feet, and necks. Their hair is curly, and they have a flat nose and a single red eye. They're found in graveyards, forests, and mountains. Their only food is dead human flesh. They never cease their efforts to make dead flesh out of live flesh. <laughs> I love the phrasing of this that's what the, the, the magic of this really isn't in the rules it's the phrasing and the, the you know the 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 you know kind of out there ideas um, anyway minotaurs dryads nymphs cyclops hydra the children of the hydra children of the hydra are created by planting the teeth from the non-immortal heads of the hydra each of the heads will have ten plantable teeth What are you doing, Johnny? I'm planting hydra teeth. <laughs> Just planting teeth um the stemphalian bird. These birds are found only on lakes or marshes. Each bird is capable of firing its feathers as darts. They will each have the effect and range of a short bow. That's pretty now that's you can see using that monster, right. That might exist in D&D and I'm just unaware of it. That might be like a monster manual tube, you know, buried in there somewhere. But, um, you know, a bird that shoots its feathers as darts. That's pretty cool. The Nemean lion. The Nemean lion is impervious to damage by the edges of normal weapons. It may be only be affected by magical weapons. That seems like pretty much the only special thing about, about it. This lion can only be skinned with its own claws. Uh. Cockatrice. Apes. Vipers. Sea serpents. The basic sea serpent used in the game is a catch-all creature used to handle many different monsters, from Kraken to Nessie. In the main, these creatures should only be encountered at sea. Well, that makes sense. The monster will prey on anything two thirds its size or smaller. Uh, the Eight Varus. The Eight Varus is a Lithuanian house spirit. In flight, it has the appearance of a bolt of fire. In the house or on the ground, it has the appearance of a cock. As long as it is fed daily on egg and cheese, it will serve its master faithfully. The Tingu, winged humans who dwell only in the forest. The Auroch, a giant wild buffalo. Anyway, and then it's got all the stuff kind of charted out for you. One of the better sections of the box set is uh, on, like, setting up your campaign. So it talks about, you know, wanting to have a... uh, it's desirable to provide the players with a place of residence and a location where supplies may be purchased. They may also be need in need to add additional players to the game or provide replacements for lost characters or servants. And so it sets up a little area called Bleakwood, a little town called Bleakwood. So it's got a um, little town map and talks about you know, setting up little encounter areas around it. It's got a sample Dragon's Lair dungeon and some advice on how to place monsters around it. and uh, uh, It's got some cool ideas on... One thing I like is that it constantly refers to the dungeon as a maze. It, it says maze probably more than dungeon. So I think that's kind of got an old school vibe to it. And then it talks about traps and tricks using trap doors. Um, areas in the floor that give way when stepped on. Casting the player into some smelly dank hole. Typical pits may contain poison stakes, snakes, or just a deep hole. The variety is considerable. Sliding walls, sloping passages, stairways, um, chances of getting lost. And it's referring to players doing their own mapping, you know, so there's a lot of that kind of original D&D kind of flavor to it. Um, after the dragon's lair, it actually also has a kind of a sample wizard's tower somewhere in here and a bunch of random tables based on uh terrain types and stuff like that so that's probably one of the stronger sections of the uh of the set is uh is kind of setting up the campaign and giving you a couple of sample little kind of adventure sites and everything. One thing I like about this, um, it's called the Tower of the Sorcerer Alhaza. Kind of like a early one-page dungeon type thing here. One thing that's cool is the sorcerer's got these spells that are already set up. So they've got like a telepathy spell set at the door. They've got a healing spell that's set at their bed. And so, you know, it's like whenever they go to bed, you know, clap on, clap off, you know, just a healing spell. Hitches. you lay down for bed kind of like that so some stuff like that uh just a couple little magic item stuff real briefly this is one I really liked the diluter dagger this dagger appears to be a harmless object in the hand of its wielder until the wielder makes his first attack on the victim so it's like hey bob what you got there? Ah, oh, it's just a just a banana, Randy. Just your typical everyday banana. Ah! You know, stab him. That's no banana. The diluter Dagger. The Toadstone make you invulnerable to the effects of curses and witchcraft. Um, talismans. A pearl talisman may be used to place either the bearer or any other person that the bearer desires into a trance. let's see magic swords unbreakable sword they'll never break a traveler sword will allow the wielder to travel at two times normal speed the pierce rock the sword is capable of piercing rock Splinter, area, splinter arrows, a sword of splinter arrows. This sword will automatically destroy any arrows aimed at the wielder. So there's some interesting ideas in here that, you, you know, you may have never seen anywhere else. Anyway, what's the point in all this? Uh, the point of all this is that Arneson was was a creative creative person. And uh, and I just thought for Arneson Appreciation Month that I'd shine a little light on one of the later, more obscure works that Arneson worked on, you know, honestly, I wish Arneson had been more celebrated in his time. Um, and given some love, I, I given him more love. Uh, and it's good to see so many people talking about, talking about him. Um, accounts I've read of games that he ran and, and everything it may have seemed like he was just an awesome ultimate DM, the kind of DM that, you uh, would happily have your character die in their game. And that would also you know, come up with uh, creative ideas that you couldn't see coming. And and also kind of allow you to kind of facilitate the game to allow you to try, try interesting things uh, that weren't written in any rule book. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's what I've got for you all this Friday. Some love for Arneson, uh, father of the game that uh, inspired so many you know, generations and millions of people to roll dice and have fun with their friends. So, cheers. And uh, I'm sure many of the listeners uh, to this podcast check out other Anchor podcasts, but keep an eye out. There's a lot of uh, Dave Arneson stuff going on. Uh, cool stuff on blogs, cool podcasts going on. So... Um, you know, definitely check all that stuff out and absorb it and enjoy it. And uh hope you have a great weekend. I'm not gonna be running my uh game this weekend. My beloved Bulldogs are gonna beat Tennessee down, I hope, Friday na- uh Saturday night. But I might still drop something over the weekend. Uh we'll see. But at any rate, uh really appreciate TJ Drennan allowing everyone to use that Arneson tune. Really adds something to it. Really magical. Um wistful kind of melancholy tune it's a, it's a really a special song that tj did for that so anyway um thanks for checking this out thanks to folks backing me on patreon patreon.com forward slash thought eater it's only a dollar a month if you want to back the show and blog and all that good stuff and logan take us out of here bud Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade, zeroing in on your mental trade, gonna help you escape from the grind, thought eater gonna blow your mind.